We are downtown. We are historic. We are family. We are scriptural. We are First Baptist Church. Men, to our choir and orchestra, we miss you. We miss you and we love you. But we will be back. Today we are in Daniel chapter 10, so if you would turn with me to Daniel 10, we're going to read first Daniel 10, verses 10 through 14. And our normal custom is to read that together. I'll try to read slowly uh, without you in the room, and maybe uh, we can read this together. So Daniel 10, 10 through 14. This then is the text for today. Then behold, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. He said to me, O Daniel, man of high esteem, understand the words that I am about to tell you and stand upright, for I have now been sent to you. And when he had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling. Then he said to me, do not be afraid, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart on understanding this and on humbling yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia was withstanding me for 21 days, and behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I had been left there with the kings of Persia. Now I have come to give you an understanding of what will happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision pertains to the days yet future. May God bless the reading of his word. Our text this week is the entire chapter of Daniel. And if you start at the beginning, Daniel chapter 1 you see a, a dire message. In Daniel 1, it gives us the dating of Cyrus it's to Daniel. And in verse 1, it says, The message was true and one of great conflict. That this is how the chapter begins. Daniel chapter 10 begins in conflict. And this is how the world ends. In conflict. You may find it hard to believe, but God's people are no stranger to conflict. You know, at first, when we are babes in Christ and we're new to the truth of the gospel, we hear the truth of Scripture that God is all-powerful, and we wonder who could challenge such an all-powerful God. Or we hear the great truth of Scripture, that God brings peace. And we wonder, who would ever disrupt that hopeful work? In our idealist ignorance, we think, if God is an all-powerful God who brings peace, then that's an end of it. But reality is a different story. 
Now, God is an all-powerful warrior bringing peace to creation. However, every one of us wants to fight him on it. Our flesh cries out to test God. We fight him to see if he's as powerful as he claims to be. We don't trust him. We test him to see if his power diminishes when he's challenged. We all do it. We've done it innumerable times. You know, on some small scale, it's kind of like we are the children. He's the parent. Like, like a child who's being told to eat his broccoli, and he turns his nose up at it. Or when a parent comes and tells you not to stick your finger in the light socket, and you run over to stick your finger in the light socket. It's like it's this fleshly response that we're going to push back against that authority. So it is with children, and so it is in our relationship with God. We want to go 12 rounds with God for control over our lives. You see, it's almost like there's a part of us that doesn't want God to be an all-powerful God, and we start swinging at him. There are some of us right now that are struggling to get off the mat in round two because we're too hard-headed to understand that the title of Lord of our lives belongs to God. We, we fight God all the time. Every time he steers us towards loving our neighbor, we push back. Every time he tells us to turn the other cheek, we dismiss it. Every time he calls us to wait patiently and prayerfully, we rarely go to our knees without swinging. Ultimately, it's all about control. We want to control our lives the way we want to control them. We want to control our lives rather than submitting to God, and it brings countless conflicts to bear. Knowing that this is exactly how we respond to God's power and authority. It's not a far leap then to understand that the same thing has happened among the angels. Satan himself was an angel who fell from heaven like lightning. Satan is that personification of that fight with God. A spiritual being who, who won't give up on that fight no matter what. He just keeps pressing and pushing and fighting and swinging no matter what. You know, it's interesting. We, we tell our kids this all the time, that don't ever give up. Keep fighting. And most of the time, that's what our children need to hear. But there are plenty of times in life when that is terrible advice. There are days you need to give up and throw in the towel. You see, Satan right now is fighting with God and will not throw in the towel. He should submit to God, but he just keeps fighting. He just keeps swinging. And may that be a lesson to us. Because Satan keeps fighting God and he's bringing others with him. You know, Satan shows up early. You go to the beginning of Scripture, the book of Genesis, you get to chapter 3, and there's a slithering snake. And that slithering snake 
from the very beginning is pulling humanity away from God, dragging us into his fight with God by deceiving us. Satan is attacking. And it didn't stop in the physical world. It didn't just stop with us. Satan deceives and attacks in the spiritual world as well. You know, that's part of what you see in verses 13 and 20 in our text for this week. In fact, if you'll look with me, Daniel 10, verse 13, Daniel 10, verse 20, bo both of these are a bit confusing. They're a bit unnerving, but let's look first at Daniel 10, 13. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia was withstanding me for 21 days. Then behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I had been left there with the kings of Persia. That, that's not talking about a physical battle. That's a spiritual battle. In the realm of the spiritual beyond us, angels and demons at the fight. Verse 20 is a similar moment. Then he said, do you understand why I came to you? But I shall now return to fight against the prince of Persia, so I'm going forth. And behold, the princes of Greece, the prince of Greece is about to come. These, these are beyond battles waged physically on this earth. These are, these are battles waged in the spiritual realm. It's almost as if, and it seems Scripture is saying here there are these territorial spirits. We don't know much about them. It's almost like they're guardian angels over regions. We don't know what all they do. What all they do. We, we don't know who all they are. We, we don't know where they might be. But Scripture seems to imply here such a thing is happening. Now, some might say that's far-fetched. But it's like this. Just as you have challenged God time and time again in your life, so have some angels. Just as you have woken up on the wrong side of the bed and picked a fight with God, so have some angels. And every time you tell God no, or every time you tell God you're going to do things your own way, you're walking into your next fight with God. It's all a battle over control. It's a battle over the title of Lord of your life. And you're doing the same things that Satan and his minions do. Satan and his minions are doing the same things that you do. In fact, when you go your own way apart from God's way, you are choosing sides in this battle. You are choosing Satan. And, you know, this is where apocalyptic literature helps us. Books like Daniel, books like Revelation give us a clear picture of what happens when you pick a fight with an all-powerful God. Apocalyptic literature is a reminder that challenging God is like stepping into the ring with Mike Tyson. You wouldn't survive. Therefore, in, instead of acting like Satan who keeps, keeps picking fights with God, why won't you throw in the towel and surrender to the Lord? You see, if you will throw in the towel and give up the fight and surrender to the Lord, you will live. If you won't, you will be slaughtered. Now, there is a, another moment of confusion for us here, though. Because like we were saying just before, that when we, when we come to Christ and we, we come to Jesus Christ as the victor, 
and when we have surrendered our lives and we're with him and we're, when we're on the side of power and authority and the, the, the power and the authority of the creator of the universe, we start to think, well, what could go wrong? We start to think that, that we could push evil back with the tips of our fingers. We start to think then it, it all just be done and over, but not yet. In fact, once we come into this deep and abiding relationship with God, attacks will come from the other side. It's like what Jesus told his followers in John 15. If you want to turn with me, John 15, we're going to read 18 through 20. And this is Jesus' reminder for us that, that coming to Christ bears its own price. So you look at uh, chapter 15, John 15, verse 18. If the world hates you, and maybe it should be when the world hates you, but if the world hates you, you know that it has hated me before it hated you. It's because he's the one that has control. They're fighting back against that control. Now in verse 19. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of this world, but I chose you out of this world, because of this, the world hates you. And remember the word that I said to you. A slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. You see, what we understand, this is what we see all through apocalyptic literature. At the end of Daniel, the book of Revelation, you see this same thing, that until the second coming of Jesus Christ, the fight is ongoing, and the fight is still happening. Now, it was over at the crucifixion and resurrection, but it is ongoing, and there's this culmination of history at the second coming of Jesus Christ, and that's when there's an end. Now, I don't mean to scare you about the, the ongoing fight and the ongoing battle. In fact, this, this is just the reality of it. And the truth of Scripture is that there is absolutely no reason to fear. Because if you are with Jesus Christ, if you are a child of God, if he is Lord of your life, Jesus Christ will pummel evil into oblivion. And God has your back today. And from this day forward, God is with you. God has always had his children's back. In fact, it's important for us this morning to look back on some of those stories where God brought his people forth and God fought the fight for them. God pulled them out and saved them from the brink of disaster. In fact, if you'll look with me, look at Exodus 14. You look at, at Exodus 14, 14, but... This whole chapter, when we get to Exodus 14, you're going to see a couple of things. One, there, there's this physical battle happening on this earth. But beyond that, there's something greater. There's a greater spiritual battle happening that is, that is proving the glory and worth and might of the Lord. When you get to Exodus 14, Israel has left Egypt. They've been slaves in Egypt. And now God is freeing them from the captivity of Pharaoh. And they're leaving and they're walking towards the promised land. And as they leave and headed out and they're walking towards the promised land, they get caught, they get stuck in the middle. In fact, Pharaoh's heart is hardened and he begins to chase down after the nation of Israel. And as, as he's chasing them down, you see on one side of, of Israel, the most powerful army in the world is coming after them. And then on the other side of them is the Red Sea. 
In fact, there is this impossible situation that the nation is caught up in. On one side is a sea that is impassable. The other side is the most powerful army in the world that will destroy them in a moment. And then we get to Exodus 14. In fact, if you'll read with me, we're going to read 13 uh, through uh, 19 together. L look at this. And look at the work of the Lord. And look at the spiritual battle that's happening among them. Moses says to the people, don't fear. Now remember, they're caught between the sea and the army. Don't fear. Stand by and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. He didn't say gather up and get ready to fight. He said wait upon the Lord. Look at verse 14. The Lord is going to fight for you while you keep silent. You keep still. This, this battle is the Lord's. And then keep going into 15. Then the Lord says to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the sons of Israel, go forward. As for you, lift up your staff, stretch out your hand over the sea, and divide the sea. And the sons of Israel shall go through the midst of the sea on dry land. As for me, behold, I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. I will be honored through Pharaoh and all of his army, through his chariots and his horsemen. Then the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I am honored through Pharaoh, through his chariots and his horsemen. And then verse 19, see the spiritual nature of this. The angel of God, who had been going before the camp of Israel, moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud that moved from before them stood behind them. God was at work in this, and God was protecting his children. There's a greater battle than what's happening in the physical. There's a spiritual battle that God has taken care of and that God is with you and for you. In fact, let's look at one more. I think there's one more here that we need to understand. It's 2 Chronicles 20. And so if you'll turn with me to 2 Chronicles chapter 20, we're going to look at a few verses here. But, but this is Jehoshaphat, King Jehoshaphat of Judah. And he's the most prosperous king of Judah that we probably never talk about. He's one of the good ones. If you, if you work through First Chronicles and Second Chronicles, you see all of these kings of Israel and Judah, and it says over and over again, this king was evil, this king was evil, this king was evil. But Jehoshaphat was one of the good ones. Jehoshaphat was one of the ones who pointed the people back to God. He's the one that ruled according to the Torah. And he was the one that was bringing peace back to Judah and Israel because Judah and Israel had split and they had become two. And he was trying to bring them back into one. He was bringing unity. And in all of this good work that King Jehoshaphat was doing, all of the surrounding armies decided to come in against them. There's three, maybe even four different armies that are coming in on Judah and they're going to destroy Judah. They're going to destroy King Jehoshaphat. The Edomites, the Moabites, the Ammonites, the, the Philistines, they're, they're coming in together and they don't, they don't know what to do. Jehoshaphat doesn't know what to do. So look with me, 2 Chronicles 20, verse 3 and 4. And listen to that, this sounds so much like Daniel. It sounds so much like Moses. So 2 Chronicles 20, verses 3 and 4. Jehoshaphat was afraid and he turned his attention. Listen to what he does in his fear. When, he, when he's caught with nowhere else to go, he turned his attention to seek the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And so Judah gathered together, not to find all their swords, but they gathered together to seek help from the Lord. They even came from all the cities of Judah to seek the Lord. 
and then you, you keep moving down here. So, so King Jehoshaphat, he prays a prayer over all of them. And look at the end of his prayer. We get down to verse 12. Oh, our God, we, we, will you not judge them? For we are powerless before this great multitude. Remember, there's at least three, maybe even four armies that are ganging up to come in to destroy them. This great multitude coming against us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. And so they, they pointed people back to the Lord. And so they look down, we keep going down to verse 14 and 15. So the, the Spirit of the Lord comes upon Jehaziel. And as, as the king is praying, they get a word from the Lord. And this is the word from the Lord. Do not fear, this is the end of verse 15, do not fear or be dismayed because of this great multitude. For this battle is not yours, this is God's. There's a greater spiritual work behind all of this, and God is coming, and God is coming to protect his children and be with his children. And the, the amazing thing, so this story takes an amazing turn as the armies, the, the three or four armies that are coming in and pressing in against Judah, King Jehoshaphat prays and God answers and says, this is mine. And you know what King Jehoshaphat of Judah does? He gathers up the choir, and he sends the choir to the front lines and says, start to sing. In fact, if you, if you look with me, look, look down at verse 20, and there's a couple more verses here in verse 20. He sends the choir out to the front lines. They rose early in the morning. They went out to the wilderness of Tekoa. And when they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, O Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Put your trust in the Lord your God, and you will be established. Put your trust in his prophets and succeed. And then verse 21, when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who sang to the Lord and those who praised him in holy attire as they went out before the army, and they said, Give thanks to the Lord, for his loving kindness is everlasting. And then listen, listen what happens next in verse 22. When they began singing and praising, so they send the choir to the front lines, and the choir starts singing praises to God. The Lord set ambushes against the armies. And so what's happening here in this moment, there's something greater, there's something spiritual happening in this. This isn't just a physical battle in this earth. There's a spiritual battle at work. And as these three armies, they're, they're coming in, and they're coming to attack uh, Judah and King Jehoshaphat. And as they're coming in, they're getting to the battle lines the Lord goes to work, and these three armies all get confused, and they start attacking one another, thinking it's Judah. And they, they attack each other to such a degree that nothing is left. All three of them are just slaughtered. They're decimated. There's nothing left of the three armies. And then Judah just walks forward, and the army comes to the, to the battleground, and there's no battle to be fought because God had already won the war. And in fact, God's children just get to enjoy the spoils of war. And see, this was amazing for Daniel. D Daniel is, is just like Moses, just like Jehoshaphat. And his work was on his knees in prayer. It's, it's more than the physical battle. The, the, the physical battle is just is what it is. But there's a spiritual battle that's greater and mightier and more. And you see, th that's the amazing thing about Daniel chapter 10. It's the, the, the moment and power and authority of Daniel's prayers. You see, you see, the incredible thing about Daniel 10 isn't that there are these territorial spirits that are about. In fact, the amazing thing about Daniel chapter 10 isn't that angels and demons are fighting. The amazing part of this, this story isn't that Daniel is praying. 
Because we know Daniel has spent the last 70 years of his life three times a day on his knees in prayer before God. That was his habit. The amazing thing about Daniel chapter 10 is that Daniel's prayers mattered. Daniel's prayers were making a deep and lasting impact. Daniel's prayers were impacting the spiritual battles. And see, this is at work, and Daniel began to participate in the greater battle. Daniel began to be with and for the Lord as he prayed. You see, God was the one guiding the fight. Angels are out on the front lines, and Daniel is on his knees fasting and praying, much like Moses, much like Jehoshaphat. This prayer was powerful and effective. The prayer of the righteous one mattered. And I hope we hear that today. I hope this sends us to our knees in prayer for our current situation. Because we can get distracted here. We can get confused here. When we read passages like today, Daniel chapter 10, there's often two loud responses, and neither one of those need to be us today. You see, when you read Daniel chapter 10, there are some people who yell loudly that this spiritual warfare must be a metaphor, can't be real. I've never seen it. But Scripture says it is so. There's some who push back against it. That's, that's one of the responses. The other response is often those who come running in, they demand a sword, and they're looking for a fight, saying, I can't wait to fight a demon. That mustn't be us. Our wise course would be somewhere else. To be near and with the Lord. Somewhere like Daniel. Somewhere like Moses. Somewhere like King Jehoshaphat. In fact, look, look down with me at Daniel 10, verse 12. Then he said to me, don't be afraid, Daniel, for from the first day, that you set your heart on understanding. Maybe that's a way forward for us, to set our heart on understanding what the Lord has for us. From the first day that you set your heart on understanding and on humbling yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to your word. Fall to your knees in prayer. Humble yourself before the Lord, and he will hear your prayer. He will be with you, and he'll be for you. God, God is fighting for you. Will you come before him? Will you fall on your knees and humble yourself before the Lord? And say, Lord, I am yours. Will you surrender that title of Lord of your life to the one who deserves it? Will you take it off and give it to the Lord? Let's pray together. Our God, we know that we push back. Where we can kick and scream when you try to take our hand and move us forward. Lord, today would you humble our hearts, calm our fears, tame us, 
tame our tongues. Lord, would you give us the faith to surrender every part of our life unto you? Lord, that the next fight of our lives would not be against you, but with you. It's in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. First Baptist Church has been broadcasting its services of new life and historic faith for 46 years. We would like to ask that you continue to pray with us for this ministry and also for your financial support so that we can continue this ministry for years to come. Thank you.